<laughs> what do you like about Easter? Celebrate with your family. Easter hunting for eggs. You get to open them and there's stuff in there. Money and grass. Lots of candy. What does the Easter bunny do? Hops. He hides the eggs. He's a person that's dressed up in a costume. Who is Jesus? Jesus is like a person God. He is God's son. What does Jesus look like? Long brown hair and a brown beard. And he's got like a robe on. He has this belt, like what karate people wear, I think. Who are the disciples? Twelve chosen followers of Jesus. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, and Valphius, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, Bartholomew. They're the good guys. What did Jesus teach? How to pray and that God's real. To always love one another when it's hard. Teaching them about Christmas and Valentine's Day. What kinds of miracles did Jesus do? He turned water into wine. He made five loaves and two fishes spread a long way. He helped people if they were sick. He walked on water. There was a storm and... It was all windy, and I said, Jesus, Jesus, and then he calmed it down so, so they won't be scared. What would be a really cool miracle for him to do? For me to be a superhero like Batman. Let me ride shark. Fix the government. What did they eat at the Last Supper? Bread and, like, some dipping sauce. Chicken nuggets and french fries. And there's the juice. Some vegetables with chocolate on it. Why did some people not like Jesus? That everybody was calling him king. They didn't believe that he was God's son. They thought he would only hang out with the done no sin, but he helped the sinners because they're the ones who needed help. What did those people do to Jesus? There were swords trying to capture him, whipped him, and put a crown of thorns on his head, and made him carry the cross a long way. Put him on a cross and stab him. They hurted his heart. He died on Good Friday. Somebody put him in a tube that had this big rock over it. What happened on Sunday morning? He grew from the ground. He rose from the dead. What did the disciples do when they saw Jesus? Very afraid. Thought he was a ghost. They saw the scars. They touched him. Jesus, Jesus is alive. And I love him. They were so happy. How do we follow Jesus? Confess our sins. Ask him into our heart by praying. And then he's like in our heart. <laughs> Why did Jesus do all of this? It was all for us because he loves us. He said, I don't want them to be scared. And whenever they're hurt, I want to help them. We love you, Jesus. Whenever they hurt, I want to help them. That really is the Easter message. And it was totally unexpected. The prevailing attitude when Jesus arrived on earth, this attitude toward God, 
was much like my second grade teacher at public school 72 in Buffalo, New York, as she held her ruler. And that attitude was not whenever they hurt, I want to help them. It was whenever you mess up, I want to help hurt you. <laughs> and she used that ruler to do so. The religious leaders during Jesus' time really felt that only the elite could actually please God. They could only, only those folks could make him happy. And so the rabbis had this, this set of rules and lists that was their interpretation of what it meant to follow Jesus, or meant to follow God, what it meant to, to please him, to keep him from being angry with them. And they felt that only the elite could actually do that, and so they would find the elite and ask them to follow their teaching. They would say, come follow me, and if you happen to be one of the elite, you would come follow, and as you would follow, they would teach you their interpretation of what it meant to follow God's law and to make him happy so that he did not become angry. Now, if you were to do that, it is said that as you took on the teaching of the rabbi, you took on his yoke, and only the elite could do that. The rest of us losers would exhaust ourselves trying to figure out how not to make God mad. And it is in that exhaustive system that Jesus then declares these words. Matthew recorded them in Matthew 11. He said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If I took Chloe here, I'm picking on you, Chloe. Can, can you stand by me? You look gorgeous today, so don't worry. Come on. So, Chloe, if I asked you if you could walk from here, face that direction that way, if you could walk over to that wall and come back again, could you do that successfully? Yes. You could. Maybe we should have you carry something. You ready? I so. Okay, I want you to carry me. <laughs> you ready? Fireman's carry, that's fine, or just cradle me, ready? No, you're not. Could, could you do it? No. How far could you carry me? <laughs> so, why couldn't you carry me? You're not strong enough. You're so kind, you didn't say you're too heavy. I just love this girl. Okay, but wait a minute, because I was going to give you a prize, but let me just do this. Who's got my, right there. Okay, I have with me today the official health food of Easter, Peeps. Do you like peeps? Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> Tough. Okay. So if I gave you a choice to either carry peeps or me, which would you carry? Probably the peeps. Why? Because they're lighter. They're lighter. And you can make it there and back? Yes. You could. Okay, here you go. Let's just go ahead and sit down. You don't have to take them with you. Okay. I mean, you, don't have, you can take them with you. You don't have to take me with you. Go. Oh. Okay. No, 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 no. You're gone. You go sit down. Don't eat those during service. Because my mom used to say when she took me to church, not a peep out of you. So that's, sorry, just so sorry. So when Jesus said, take my yoke, he said, now look, there's a way that I'm going to show you how to live out the way that God designed for you to live. 
if you do this, if you take my yoke on you, it will be lighter than the way you're living right now because you are overburdened and you are fatigued. And if you feel that way now, he's saying, I want to tell you that my yoke will not do that to you. In fact, what it will do, it will provide this. If I took this group of people right here and I said, come live with me and I have this wonderful estate and has a built-in swimming pool, would you come live with me and I'd pay for everything? You would. What if I said to this group, but one condition is that every morning at 5 a.m. we must rise and run six miles. Are you ready? How many could do that in this group? I know you could. You're training for a triathlon. All right. Who could not do it? Who would not want to do it? So I would say to you, you're exempt. When Jesus said, you come to me, I will put my yoke upon you, and it's lighter than anything you've carried before, and if you do, I will give you rest. The word actually means I will exempt you from the burden that everybody else is carrying. You're exempt from that heavy load because... My yoke is easy. Literally, my yoke is kind. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus, unlike the other rabbis who only took the elite, Jesus said, I'm offering this yoke to anybody who wants it, and especially those who feel rejected. Those who feel you don't have the ability. Those who feel marginalized, those who feel ostracized, those who feel disenfranchised, those who feel like they are the outcasts, especially you, I'm offering my yoke to you. Those who feel that they have no value, I've come to give you my yoke. I want to introduce you to Marine Corporal Tony Porta. Tony was running convoy in Iraq in 2007 when his vehicle was hit by a roadside bomb. He lost his two best friends. They died there instantly, and Tony lost an arm and was severely burned. It wasn't until he was in the burn ward several weeks that he finally got the courage to look at himself in the mirror, and here's what he said. I couldn't recognize myself. He said, I saw scars, I saw blood, I didn't have lips, my nose was missing, my ears were gone. That day he said, how can I live like this? He's had 128 surgeries trying to help undo the cruel wounds left by the fire. He said to himself, who's going to love me? Who's going to love me the way I look right now? And then he met Daisy. And he said this about Daisy. Daisy didn't care about my wounds. She cared about me inside. They fell in love, and Daisy and Tony got married, and they had a son. So when you say to him, does he feel like people around him are saying, Oh, that poor guy. He says, yes, I feel that. But they don't realize that this poor guy has a beautiful wife, a handsome son, and a beautiful family. Is Daisy a saint? I think so. Because she understands that when you are kind to someone, their scars fade. So Jesus saw a tax collector. 
walked up to a guy named Matthew, and he said to Matthew, here, put this yoke on you, the yoke that I carry. I want you to have this, and I want you to come follow me. Now, people hated Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. In that first century, a tax collector was somebody in that Jewish life that, that had contracted themselves, had, had come into a contractual agreement with the Roman rulership that they would collect the taxes that were so burdensome and so heavy upon the Israeli people. In addition to that, they then had the freedom to, to add extra tax and embezzle from their own people the money they wanted so that they could be wealthy. And Matthew did that. He was considered, along with all other tax collectors, a traitor. So you can imagine that Jesus, when he has this group of guys that he's already starting to collect, and he brings back with him a guy named Matthew, who they understand as a tax collector, and they look at him, and he's invited to the party. They've got to be asking, who is this guy, and why is he here? And, and these, these disciples weren't much to speak about. These guys all had problems, but they're looking at Matthew saying, this guy's a lot worse than we are. Why is he here? There was such a contrast of, of quality or, or understanding or culture. I mean, it's like inviting President Obama to George Bush's birthday. You're going to notice something different when you get there because it just doesn't mesh. What made it even more insane was that Jesus actually would go to dinner at Matthew's house and he would gather all his friends together and, and there would be the International Association of Traders. They'd be there and the sorority of streetwalkers, they were there. In addition to that, Jesus would even help the Roman invaders. A centurion came to him and said, my servant is sick, can you heal him? And Jesus healed him. And the centurions, if you know anything about centurions, these are professional soldiers, professional officers who are intense in battle and especially brought hard, hard treatment to those who resisted in the Jewish state. What we understand about Jesus is this, that he always led with kindness. And I think that's a great idea that Jesus should lead with kindness because because I need it. But I have a little bit trouble with the people that I think are worse than me, that probably he shouldn't help them, but he should probably help me. If I get pulled over by a state patrolman for speeding, I believe that they should be kind. But if you cut me off on peach, I'm saying, where's a cop when you need him? I look at other people and I have this sense of, well, why should they be helped? But God, give me mercy. God, give me kindness. You know, I'm not like that guy. I'm not like Tiger Woods. My goodness, Tiger Woods had all those affairs and now, now he's starting to win again. And I don't know if you've seen the new Nike ad. It's caused, caused a lot of controversy. I think we have a copy of it. Winning takes care of everything. And so people are saying, wait a minute. Just because you're getting better doesn't mean that we're going to forgive you for what you did. And, and I read this week list after list of people who are complaining about the ad saying, he cannot be forgiven for what he has done. He will never be covered. It won't. Paul the Apostle, responding to that kind of attitude and writing to the church in Rome, said these words. Their lives become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And I think, yes, God, get them. Go after them. And here's what Paul says. 
You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. And since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think that you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? Jesus always leads with kindness. So a wealthy guy came to Jesus and he said, hey, how do I get in good with God? And Jesus said, well, you got to keep the commands. And he said, well, I, I do all the commandments. And Jesus said, okay, there's just one thing. Be nice to poor people. In fact, do this. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and wear my yoke, this yoke of kindness. He says, I can't do that. Why? Because if he does that, he also will be poor. He'll have to stand with those losers, and he doesn't want to do that. But you see, when you carry the yoke of Jesus, that kindness always is there with the losers. In fact, kindness never sees them as losers. Kindness sees their value. That's why Jesus always led with kindness, because he always saw the value. The leaders around him, the Jewish leaders, they, they didn't want a rabbi with kindness. They wanted a warrior of justice, someone who would come and take care of all the people worse than them. And because Jesus wouldn't be their superhero and crush the villain, they decided he was worse than they are. So they labeled him a blasphemer. They, they labeled him a fraud. And they turned him over to the ones who he had been kind to, even those Romans, and they put him on a cross, and they nailed him there and executed him. And even in that place, he led with kindness. There's a thief on either side of Jesus, two criminals. The Scripture says that both of them were cursing at Jesus. But sometime in that, in that beginning of that afternoon, one of them has a change of heart. For whatever reason, he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now that just blows me away because here's a hardened criminal who had no spiritual discernment on his radar. How in the world did he understand that Jesus had a kingdom? I mean, did he see angels flying by with neon signs saying, son of God, son of God, son of God? He didn't get that. But he saw an otherworldly kindness. He heard the words of Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And that was all the evidence he needed because he had never seen anything like that before. See, I don't think we can come to a God and reveal the honest selves, who we are, with the belief that the moment we tell him that, he's going to fry us right there. We'll hide that in hopes that he doesn't see what's wrong with us. If we're going to come to that God, we've got to believe that when we come, he's going to lead with kindness. He's going to turn to us and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you're coming to my place. Welcome home. That that kindness hangs out in those places where shame is exposed. Where God's word is clearly heard. Wherever they hurt, I want to help them. 
John, a follower of Jesus, was amazed by this rare kindness, and he said this rare kindness was like a brilliant light in an ugly darkness. And the great thing about this kindness is that you can't kill that type of kindness. You can't bury that type of love. You can't, you, you can't smother that brilliant light. So they buried that kindness, and for three days they thought it was done. And on the third day, the Scripture tells us this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And there they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. See, I could take time this morning. I could tell you all the reasons why the resurrection was real. I can tell you about the Roman conspiracy. I can tell you about the 500 eyewitnesses. But what I want us to know this morning is simply this, that the greatest evidence, I believe, is that the light of kindness still shines. Outside of Sacramento, California, is this town called Rio Linda, California. In the late 1970s, early 1980s, in a high school, Rio Linda High School, they were notorious for their comparative religions class. So they would invite Christians in to talk about Christianity, and then they would just attack. And it was horrid. One pastor went in there to talk about the resurrection, and he got started, and one student said to him, so do you believe in, that, that God resurrects the dead? He said, absolutely. And this guy reached in his bag, pulled out a dead cat, threw it on the desk, and said, raise that. And the place just went crazy. So a friend of mine, his name's Jack, not me, got invited to go, and so he asked us to pray that he would say the right things, and so he showed up in this class, and they were ready to tear into him as they had everybody else who come in to talk about Jesus. And he began talking by just, just speaking about the kindness of Jesus, what Jesus did. He said, but you may not believe me, but I want to introduce you to my friend Tony here. And so he invites Tony to step up. He brought Tony with him. And, 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 and Tony's a rugged guy. They could tell that, that he wasn't your typical preacher. And in fact, he even wasn't a preacher. But they knew that he was different because he had tattoos and, and his long hair. And he could just, he could tell that he had had a rough life. And he said, let me tell you my story. And he began talking about his, violence, his violent life, his addiction to drugs, severe addiction to drugs and alcohol how horrid life was for him and how it destroyed his, his marriage and his family, his kids. He said, I had nothing to live for. And then somebody started talking to me about this Jesus, and I discovered this kindness that I didn't even know was there from God. And I got to the place that, that, that they told me that Jesus had hung on a cross and that the sins that I had committed up to this point, all the things I had done wrong and the guilt that I just carried, that he'd already put on him. It was there, and, and he, he took that and died with it. So mine were already dead if I wanted it to happen. And so I put my faith in Jesus and asked him to forgive me, and I'm going to tell you that suddenly I felt this lightness in my life. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So not only that, but the kindness of God began to teach me how to put my life back together again, and things are not perfect, but I am so much better than I was before, and I've gained so much more that I thought I would never have again because he's so kind. There were no dead cats that day. Just a lot of questions about Jesus and his kindness. 
Because I think those high schoolers began to see a kingdom that they hadn't seen before. They began to see a, a kindness that was not of this world. They began to see a light that they had, did not know was there. That is Easter. Easter is about that light. Easter is about that kindness. The evidence of Easter is the fact that God is still saying whenever they hurt, I want to help them. So Easter tells us, and this is the good news, that that light is still on. That light is for us. That light is our evidence. At just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world of darkness came a light that would shine. An infant hope in a desperate hour, clothed in secrecy, void of power, hunted by a king, sought by the wise, heaven rejoiced, darkness despised, tempted, tested, human divine, yet through it all, the light would still shine. Growing in stature full of truth and grace, the light appears in the most unlikely place. Rejected by others, they felt the embrace. Dinner with a sinner, a rendezvous at night, in the midst of a storm with a boat full of fright. A man up a tree, a child on a knee, a captive set free. Broken and battered, wounded and shattered, fractured and tattered, their lives really did matter. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Threatened by change, exposed by acceptance, darkness attacks with lies and deception. Blasphemer, glutton, sinner, liar. As the enemy stoops lower, love stands higher, higher and deeper, longer and wider. Healer, friend, teacher, provider. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Religion unmasked, hypocrites taken to task. Answers pondered, questions asked. Which is the greatest? Who is my neighbor? How should we pray? Who does God favor? Stories with truth, uncommon, uncouth. Forgive and let go, not a tooth for a tooth. Blessed are the meek, turn the other cheek. Find when you seek, forget not the weak. Yeast and trees, seeds and wheat. Pearls and coins, hands and feet. Law fulfilled, love complete. Yes, through it all, the light would still shine. Then storm clouds gather, blacker than black. Thirty pieces of silver, a stab in the back, betrayed, denied, condemned to die, a crowd's lie, a mother's cry, a son's why. 
breathed one last breath and the father sighs. The light grows dim and begins to subside. On a lonely hill, scoffers jeer. Darkness dances and evil cheers. The earth grows quiet. Hope disappears. Will the light shine again, or is this the end? Then out of the vastness of eternal dark rose the faintest of hopes, the tiniest spark. And midst the silence, a voice can be heard. In the beginning was God, and God was the Word. In Him was life, and that life was the light. And to all who received it, it gave them the right, the right to be children of the day, not the night. Trembles at the sound of that phrase. First one day, then two days, then finally three days. Life begins to grow, evil begins to know, a stone begins to roll, and light begins to explode in a resurrection glow. Angels descend, every knee bends, a savior appears, the followers hear words of life, not dread. Why seek the living among the dead? Just the right moment in the fullness of time into a world of darkness came a light that still shines. Would you stand with us and sing? Into marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness I
So I got to tell you that I've been following Jesus ever since I can remember, and I'm 58. And for all those years, I can tell you that in all the mess-ups that I've made, and I've played plenty of mess-ups, Jesus has always, always led with kindness. And in the exposure of my shame, he has always been there, not to say I condemn you, but to say, Welcome home. It's good to have you. I gave my life for you. And I continue to pour that love out to you. So there are some of you that are in this place today and, and you've been afraid of God. You've been afraid of what he'd do if you got face to face with him on all the stuff you've messed up in life. And the good news today for you on this Easter is that he is leading with kindness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have, ever, have everlasting life. For God did not come into this world to condemn the world 
but the world through him might be saved. So today, Jesus wants to cleanse you. Jesus wants you to be as that thief was, where he's totally forgiven at that moment. Jesus wants you to carry his yoke. He wants you to find the lightness of life, to find the kindness of God. And I can't let you go today without giving you an opportunity to, to confirm that in your, in your own inner self, in your heart, that you're going to do that, that you're going to put your faith in Jesus. You're going to trust him to do that for you. Jesus said he'd die for you, and he did. And he said he'd, rose, he'd rise again for you, and he, and he has. And so before you go this morning, I want to give you an opportunity for that. And, and so I'm going to ask you in just a moment that you've, you've greeted folks around you earlier, so you've met some of the folks around you. I just want you to turn to the people around you in just a moment and just say to them, would you like to come home to Jesus today? And if that's you, if that's you, don't hesitate. Say yes. And then... And then after that person said yes, the person that asked you and the person who said yes, I'm going to invite you to just come and just stand with me right here. We're going to have a prayer of faith together. not going to single you out, not going to embarrass you. But I, I want you to take that step of faith to say, okay, I'm beginning this journey with Jesus. I'm going to take his yoke. I'm going to begin to live this life that is so much lighter than the life I'm carrying now. Because Jesus is leading with kindness. Now, you may not know the people next to you, but you're going to get to know them right now. You may have asked this person before this question, but times change. So whether you're in the balcony, the galleries, main floor, listening in the courtyard, wherever you are, in a moment I'm going to have you turn and just ask that question, would you like to come home to Jesus? And when that person says yes, come down here right now and just meet me here. We're going to have a prayer together and finalize our gathering here today with this wonderful step of putting faith in Jesus. So right now, just turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come home to Jesus? And as they say yes, just come and just join me right here. You have plenty of time to get to where you need to go later on. This is the most important thing you can do. Just join me right here. Come on. That's it. Come on. If you're in the balcony, just come down those gallery steps. Join us right here. That's it. Yeah. That's good. That's it. We'll wait. And, and, and you may have wanted to say, yes, I do, but you're just, you're not sure what's going to happen down here. And now you see other people coming. You say, I wish I'd have said yes. Just turn to the person and say, change my mind. On Easter Sunday, is a free pass. You can do that. That's it. Just come on and join us over here. This is great. We'll wait. God will supernaturally keep your ham from burning. You're good. That's it. Come on over. So this, this whole thing of carrying the yoke of Jesus and just learning how to, how to love God and be with God, it's a journey. It starts with the decision to put your faith in him, but then it's this journey of every day saying, yep, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. And so we're going to begin by just saying, Jesus, we're starting this journey with you. And so we're going to pray a prayer together, and I'm going to lead you in that. And it's scriptural. It comes from the word of God, and the, the word of God is truth. And these folks behind you, a lot of them have done that. And so as I pray, I'm going to ask you to repeat that, and they're going to repeat it with you just as an encouragement. But make it truly from your honesty of your heart right now. So let's pray. Would you say, dear Jesus... 
I want the life you offer. So you promised that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from all impurity. So I declare it now by faith that you're removing my sin. You're cleansing my conscience. And you said that I would be free. So I believe I'm free now. So now I want to follow you. So teach me how to be your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's great. So, so, so there's this force that wants to rip this truth from you because there's this, this anti-Jesus called Satan who wants to, to rip this truth from you and say it's not real and we want to reinforce that in you so that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you go, yeah, 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 that was real. This, this is for sure. This is going to go on forever. So we have a gift for you and it's not peeps, so you're good. We have a gift for you that'll help guide you that way. We'll have some time to answer any questions. And so just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just go up these steps, and Pastor Jason's right there. We're going to go back in the choir room. Nothing weird or wacky is going to happen back there. The people that, that you came with will wait for you. We're not going to take very much of your time, but we want to give you that and get you started on that journey. If you have trouble going up steps, you just go out the back, and the ushers will get you there, and those folks will wait for you. But I want to just tell you, I am so glad you made this decision because now you walk with Jesus the rest of your life. So would you head that direction and, and meet Pastor Jason there? Just go up the steps. That's great. So that's Easter. He did it for us. He led with kindness. Scripture says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, to change our life and follow him. So I want to encourage you, walk in that kindness today. And could we, could we end the way we began and then you're dismissed? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. God bless you. Have a great Easter.